Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. This week I am sharing some personal stories and my hope is that you are going to walk away a little more free and changed. My hope is that you will have an aha moment in your own life where really the Holy Spirit will just reveal something to you that maybe maybe something you have been doing in your life or saying that doesn't really line up with the truth, the truth about who he is, the truth about who you are. That is my hope. You will leave today feeling a little bit more free. Um, As always, I just want to encourage you to share this episode with a friend. There's three little dots below Um, on the bottom right of your screen, if you are watching or listening to this through an iPhone. I don't know any other way to share it because that's how I listen to podcasts. Uh, But if you can share it with somebody or screenshot it and even tag me on Instagram, I'm always very encouraged. I've had some of you uh, reach out to me via email. That's JacquelineWidener1 at gmail.com and share with me um, specific episodes that have encouraged you. And I have really appreciated that. So I'm sitting here in my living room all by myself. I don't get any real-time feedback to see how things are landing. I always appreciate when you guys reach out as well as when you share. Uh, It just helps get this message to other people. So this week, I really just want to talk about what does it look like to be a non-anxious presence in an overly anxious world, right? I don't have to expand on the fact that our world is incredibly anxious, right? We know that. And maybe you are even feeling incredibly anxious as well. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how you can move from feeling overly anxious to becoming someone who generally is a non-anxious presence and why that is really vital in your home, in your workplace, and just in our world right now. So I want to tell you two quick stories about myself. One, um, I got married 15 years ago and I moved from a relatively like medium-sized city on an island and um, the pace of life is just a little bit slower there than what it is where I live now. I didn't move right into the big city of Vancouver. I moved outside of it, but we often, when we first got married, would drive into Vancouver and like any other big city things just go a lot faster. And so I think I've shared this story before, but as my husband and I would be heading into the city, um, I started to get really fearful as a passenger. And again, I don't know if this was because of crazy driving, which maybe it was, um, or if I just didn't trust him, which I, I do think that was a big part of it. Either way, what happened was I was so afraid as a passenger, that I would actually slam my foot on an imaginary brake in the car, um, feeling like that was somehow I had some sort of control, which 
again, can definitely be for me part of where uh, my anxiety starts to come out is if I try to take control of a situation. Side note, we just started school here uh, a few weeks ago. And as the kids found out who their teachers were, they do it up here where it takes about a week or so to find out who your teachers are. I had conversation after conversation with various moms who were trying to control not only who their kid's teacher was, but who the other kids were going to be in the class. And the conversations I had with these women, they were so worked up and they didn't realize it. But the, the main cause is that they were trying to control something they really didn't have control over. Now, there's nothing wrong with hoping our kids are going to get a certain teacher or be with certain friends or other things. And, and maybe if there's a place to request, great. But I just saw these women getting so, so worked up because they were really trying so hard to control the situation. And when they were out of control, they were experiencing a lot of fear because they didn't know, oh, this didn't work out the way I wanted. And so um, it's really everyday things for us that we, we try to hold on to control. So for myself, I was pushing this break, this imaginary break, and we'd be driving along. I remember especially going over a bridge. I'd slam on the brake because I was sure my husband was going to run into the car ahead of us, which, uh, spoiler alert, we never did. We were always okay. Um, Or I would gasp really loudly like, (gasps) and so then he would actually slam on the brake because he'd be afraid, oh, did I see something he doesn't see? And after a while, he said to me, you know, what you're doing is actually even more dangerous. So you're putting us in harm. We're not in harm right now, but you're putting us in harm because of your actions. So I transitioned from slamming my foot on the imaginary brake to like holding on, like gripping the handle. That was the thing that I did to kind of keep myself safe. But either way, I, I felt incredibly anxious in this season of my life as a passenger, whether it was with him or with other people. Sometimes I even laid my seat all the way down flat. So I didn't see anything that was going on. Maybe I'd close my eyes. And the reason I tell you this story <clears throat> is because I want you to know, I understand feeling powerless to anxiety. I understand feeling like I need to do what I need to do. Like I, I didn't want to be sitting in the car with my husband, slamming my foot on a brake or gasping or feeling like, you know, we're probably going to die in this car ride. Um, I didn't want it, but that was what um, I felt really powerless to it. So so I want to say that first of all. Again, this is so long ago. I don't exactly remember how I came out of that season. I know that I stopped trying to control it. And I know that I um, began to trust my husband. And so I think that's actually a big theme here is that uh, you know, when we are trying to control things in our lives, often it's just that we we don't trust God. And so as I grew in relationship with my husband, I grew in trust with him. I was able to relax and trust that, hey, we're going to be okay. And now we drive all all over the place. We've done multiple road trips, um, twice down to sort of California area. Um, and And I'm not anxious. I'm not afraid. Um, because I've learned to trust him. And so that's one story um, from about 15 years ago. The next story is probably from about 10 years ago. And I just had my first daughter. And if you have had kids, 
um, you know that especially for your first, there is definitely a certain amount of anxiety that can come with that. First of all, you're secretly thinking like, does anybody know that I have no idea what I'm doing? Why are they trusting me with this baby? This is crazy. Um, and so not only did I feel nervous and anxious because I didn't trust myself, I didn't know what I was doing. I definitely, again, didn't trust my husband. And I remember this one day, I had actually gone to the mall. I'd probably like nursed her and quickly zipped off to go do something on my own, which felt so incredible. Like I had this freedom and I had such a great time walking around the mall, shopping, doing things all by myself until I had this thought. And this thought was, what's happening at home? Like I, I need to check in and make sure they're okay. And so I remember texting my husband and probably waiting about 20 seconds, texting him again, texting him again, calling him, and I didn't hear from him. And so obviously they have both died. Like that is my logical next response. I don't know if you've ever had that where you haven't gotten that text response right away. So that's the logical next step in your mind, which is actually not true. But um, I remember standing in the mall and feeling like I I didn't feel like I could feel the lower half of my body. Like I just felt kind of paralyzed in fear. And um, that was another moment where I just remember feeling like I don't have control over this anxiety. Um, this is coming at me. And so I also had to make the decision at that point. Do I trust him? Like, do I trust that they're going to be okay? Or do I need to bust it home? And so I'm pretty sure, again, 10 years ago, I'm pretty sure I just headed home, cut my enjoyable shopping trip short, and uh, went home only to discover, yes, my husband was asleep on the couch, um, and my daughter was asleep safely in a bassinet in the living room next to him. And so, you know, it was one of those moments where I felt like I have to know. I have to know what's going on. I have to be in control. I actually think that's a big root for so many of us when it comes to anxiety is the, the things we're trying to control, the things we're trying to know. We're trying to know outcomes of things that we, no one in the world could possibly know, right? We don't, we don't know what our world's going to look like in a month or two months or six months. We try to control other people in our lives. I know when my kids were little, I'd get so mad because I was trying to control their behavior. And so a big part of really, I would say not managing our anxiety, but getting rid of this anxiety um, is letting go of the control. There's this verse, John 14, 27, where Jesus is talking and he says, peace, I leave with you my peace. I want to give to you. Like he's twice, he's like, hey, I I want to give you peace. That's my hope for you. That's my plan for you. And if you've ever tried to receive a gift with clenched fists, it's impossible. You have to open up your hands. You cannot clench control and receive peace. It is impossible. So you open up your hands. And I remember the first time I prayed and said, I was just my oldest was a baby. And I opened my hands and I said, God, here she is. I'm giving you my daughter. And then I remember really closing my fist right away and saying, but please keep her safe, right? Like it was, 
That's my, my heart's desire. Please protect her. And so, yes, I continuously pray. Here you go, God. My hands are open. Here are my kids. Here is my husband. Here is my life. And yes, I'm praying for protection. I'm praying for health and safety and all of those things. But really, I am not in control. And I remember my husband even saying to me at one point in that season, like, Jacqueline, you are not keeping her heart beating. You are not putting breath in her lungs. Like you are actually not in control. And I will say this, I, I'm thankful that he often has given me some of that straight talk that I needed. Um, and I think what happens sometimes is we, we coddle our anxieties. We, you know, I, um, I had a moment where we were heading out on a date and I think we we're 20 minutes from the house. And I had this thought again, start as a thought. Uh, oh no, I've left the flat iron on. And so I made my husband, I think I was pregnant at the time. So I had some leverage, I made him drive back to the house and check. And sure enough, the flat iron was unplugged just as I do every time I'm done doing my hair, I unplug it. Um, but I let this thought run, a, run away from me. So a few things I want to share with you just in terms of um, anxiety and, and general anxious thoughts. One, recognize what we have control over and what we don't and open our hands and release to God those things. And the second thing is our thoughts. What are we doing with those thoughts? Are we cultivating those anxious and fearful thoughts? Because they come to everybody. They still come to me. What am I doing with those thoughts? Am I cultivating them or am I taking them captive? And 2 Corinthians 10, 5 talks about this. It says, take your thoughts captive. And I love the Passion Translation um, says like prisoners of war. And just imagine for a second, you're on an actual battlefield. If you've ever played like capture the flag or something, right? And you have that other side, the enemy, and you're like, I'm going to, I don't know how competitive you are, but um, what does it look like to capture somebody who's trying to get away from you? Maybe you've experienced this with a toddler who's running away or a pet. It takes a lot of effort to capture it. So I want to say, if you feel like my thoughts are racing out of control, whether whatever it could be about, there is so much in this world right now that we are bombarded with. We have to be diligent in taking our thoughts captive. We take them captive and we say, here you go, Jesus. Like I'm, I'm shutting the door on this. I'm not going to dwell on this. We have, we have a choice and we have a say in the matter. So often we are so passive to our thoughts. We just let thoughts come in. Oh, I think that person doesn't like me. I'm just going to entertain why all of the reasons why that might be. Or, oh, I think this fearful thing could happen to my kids. Yeah, I'm going to cultivate all of those things why this might happen. So often we feed those negative thoughts instead of taking them captive, right? We hear about something going on in the world or we start Googling things that we, we think about and we get more information then we need more information than is really helpful to us. And so we really have to be diligent in the thoughts that come our way because those thoughts begin to grow, right? The things that come and we, 
we let those thoughts come in, maybe from a friend, maybe just something that seems to pop out of thin air, or maybe we're, we're searching it out or we see something pop up on a screen. Um, I would say if you are feeling like you have extra anxious thoughts in this season, pay close attention to what are you consuming, right? We call it a news feed or a social media feed. We're feeding ourselves. What are you consuming in this season? The things you consume are going to grow, right? Uh, I'm going to read to you Galatians 6, 7. It says, and this is the Passion Translation, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. If you are spending your time reading negative comments on any post anywhere, whether you're looking to see if somebody agrees with your side of things and your opinion, or you're looking to see who doesn't, you are cultivating anger and bitterness in your life. That thing will come out eventually. So it's what we're putting in our heart begins to come out. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're constantly planting these things in our heart. They begin to come out our mouth. So are you, are you experiencing worry coming out of your mouth? Are you experiencing fear coming out of your mouth? If these things are coming out of your mouth, how did they get there? How did they get into your heart? Now, yes, I've been in situations where people are volunteering information that maybe you don't even want, especially this is the worst in groups of women sitting around. And um, I've shared about this before, but like, let's say you're sitting with a group of women and someone's pregnant and then everyone starts telling either their terrible labor story or somebody else's. And essentially what you're doing is you are planting seeds of fear into that pregnant woman. Now, that day, she may not be, maybe she's newly pregnant, she's excited. She's got another, you know, six, seven months to go in this pregnancy. She may not think about it. But as she gets closer to and she thinks, oh, what if, what if my labor is like that person's? What if it's like, what if that goes wrong like that thing? So her friends started planting seeds of fear and they get cultivated as she starts to dwell on it and think about it. And it begins to grow into a massive fear. So instead of helping equip her, they've planted fear in her life. Now, we can't blame other people. We have to take um, responsibility and take control of our own thoughts, take them captive, replace them with the truth. Sometimes it's just in that moment saying, I, I am, I am okay. I'm, I'm going to make it through this thing. Or in the pregnancy example, my baby is healthy. My baby is going to be fine. I'm going to speak words of truth and life. I'm not going to speak words of worry and anxiety and fear. But if you do, I don't want to shame anybody. If those are the things coming out of your mouth, I want to say it's a great thing because if you identify, oh, I have these words of of fear and anxiety and worry, those are coming out my mouth. It's great because now you know what's in your heart. Now you can deal with it. Now you can do something about it. So I would just say, if that's you, sit with Jesus, confess, say, 
I confess there's fear in my heart. I confess there's this worry. I confess I haven't been trusting you. I confess I've been cultivating and dwelling on things. I've been Googling and searching things that they've tied me up in knots. I'm going to give all of this to you. I'm going to open my hands up. And the amazing thing is the interaction that happens when we sit with Jesus, when the Holy Spirit begins to do this deep work in our heart, he reveals things to us that otherwise would remain hidden, these seeds and, and things that have been tangling us up. And he partners with us and he does the heavy lifting, but he doesn't go in there. Like sometimes I think we get this idea of like, why isn't Jesus freeing me from this or healing me from this? But we, we don't ever talk to him about it. We don't actually confess it. We hold on to it. Like as if he's going to come in, like maybe while we're asleep or, um, we're making dinner. He's just like, Hey, I'm going to deal with that anxiety for you. You're like, Oh, awesome. Finally. Thank you. It's like, no, he, he wants to partner with us in it. But again, sometimes we hold on to these things or we declare them as our identity. I am an anxious person. I am a worrier. It's my right to worry. I remember someone saying, as a grandma, it's my right to worry. It's like, that's actually not true or biblical. And what are you declaring over yourself? You're declaring, I'm going to trust in myself or in uh, these outcomes more than I'm going to trust in God. So we, when we are speaking things out of our mouth, we have to say, hey, what, what am I speaking that's showing me what's in my heart, but also making the intentional choice to say, you know what, I may not feel this. I don't, I'm not saying to be fake in, you know, fake confidence, but what does it mean to say, I'm, I am a woman of peace because Jesus gives me peace. He said, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I'm going to give it to you. And that's another great point that we, we look to the world for our answers and we come up short because the peace that the world gives, I'm not going to say that the world doesn't give us any peace. I could go for a massage and feel peace for like 45 minutes or, um, I'm trying to think of something else that would be equally as peaceful. Um, The world can give us snippets of something that feels like peace. It's kind of like uh, down the street. There's a few houses in a row. And it's amazing because there's these, the section of grass that is just out front. And one section, it's like, ah, the grass looks super dead. The next one, um, the grass looks healthy, but it's like, okay, it's healthy but you know, obviously somebody's had to work on this. The next one is turf. It's like fake bright green. And from a distance, it looks like, whoa, look at that healthy, amazing grass. And as you get closer, you go, oh, it's just, it's fake. It's plastic. It's not actually, it's not real. And I think we look for fake grass. We look for this, we're looking at this fake piece that people are like, look at me. If you just get enough money and maybe some Botox and lose enough weight and get this out, right? Like all those things, then you will feel peace. And you get there and you're like, oh, it's fake. It's not even real. The peace that Jesus gives, we're able to experience regardless of circumstances, regardless of our face, breaking out in, in acne, um, weight fluctuations, money, 
going up and down, whatever the things are. He brings us a peace that the world, it, it pales in comparison. It's a solid, deep rooted peace. It's a fruit of the spirit. That literally means think again about this analogy of these seeds. What are we planting? When we are spending time with Jesus, when we're reading the Bible, worshiping, and I'm going to say as well, it doesn't have to look a certain way. We often can get into this performance place of like, if I just do X, Y, Z, I have to read these verses and no, just be with him. His presence transforms us and the fruit of the seeds planted of time spent with him that produces, it produces peace in our life. It's peace that passes all understanding. We cannot explain. We can have this deep peace. Even when the world is shaking, when everything is chaotic around us, we can walk deeply rooted in deep peace. I want to read something to you from this book by a guy named Mark Sayers. And uh, it's interesting because as I was just sharing that the presence of God transforms us and gives us deep peace. We actually get to carry that in our lives and other people will sit up and take notice. They'll say, how do you have deep peace walking through this storm? How do you have deep peace and confidence, even though the world looks crazy. Um, he wrote this book. It's a very good book. He wrote this book that came out in 2019. It's called Reappearing Church. And he talks about being a non-anxious presence. And that is my hope for us, that we would be a non-anxious presence in our homes that we'd be a non-anxious presence at work, in our friend groups. And so here's interesting that he he's sharing actually some research. <clears throat> a guy named Friedman, it says, Friedman discovered that what brought healing to emotionally toxic and regressing systems was not the leader's intelligence, nor certain techniques or tactics or even talent, but what counts is the leader's presence and being. The leader would not even have to engage in constant intimate communication or relationship with individuals in their organization to have a healing and healing effect. By the very nature of his or her, his or her being, through the physical presence, the leader could release renewal in the system. Now listen to this. The most important factor in being an agent of renewal was not how much power they exercise, but how well their presence is able, able to preserve that society's integrity. It wasn't about what they did. It was about who they were. It wasn't about doing. It was about being. Now, if you um, are a mom listening right now, this is vital to you in your home with your kids. I've had many conversations with people right now about how um, just culture is crazy, right? And we can focus on that. We can focus on 
the world outside and our school system and everything that's happening. But in our home, we get to be a non-anxious presence that provides healing just with our presence. We're carrying the spirit of God within us. That is, that is significant in itself, this presence. But we also need to be women who carry non-anxious presence because it is going to impact everyone around us. So I hope you, I hope you got something out of that Mark Sayers um, quote. I will maybe link in the show notes um, his book. I really um, thought his book was very timely. It was released in 2019. He even shares a quote in it. He says, if the world went through a global flu pandemic, and I thought, whoa, this is um, fairly prophetic. But um, we need to seek peace in our own lives to be a non-anxious presence. And that is going to deeply affect those around us, not by what we say, not by what we do, but by who we are. And very practically, if you are feeling like, ah, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I feel so um, caught up in everything going on in the world. I feel so shaken. Um, very practically, there's a few things you can do. One, I think you can figure out how are you going to limit um, what you're feeding yourself. I don't mean to go off all um, technology, but you know in your heart when you are consuming too much or you're consuming content that it is producing something, but is it producing what you want? So I would say let's use some self-control. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. He's given us self-control, but are we using it? So pay attention. What are you feeding yourself? Um, and if you are not already in the word, you have to do it. You can't, it, the, the excuse of not having time is it's just an excuse, right? We all have the same amount of time. It's what we're spending our time on. You can even listen to, um, audio Bible as you're getting ready, right? Um, and that's just on the Uversion Bible app. You can play it to you while you're driving. Um, sometimes you have to be creative in different seasons. Um, maybe if you're up in the night nursing a baby or rather than scrolling social media, you're, you're reading, um, your Bible. So we need to kind of swap out what we're planting, planting in the comment, social media versus planting the word and being in God's presence. Again, it is not about a to-do list. When we are in God's presence, we will be transformed and that is going to transform other people. I will say as well, um, my tangled course deals with this. It helps us get to some of the root of those things that um, have been keeping us stuck, those things that have been producing anxiety. And so if you feel like, you know what, I just need somebody to take me through this process. I'm ready to be done being uh, an anxious presence. I want to be a woman of peace. I want to be the CEO of my household and lead my home in 
this presence of peace, I would say grab my Tangled course. I will link to that in the show notes as well. Um, Because my hope for you is that, again, going back to my stories, I was somebody who experienced a great deal of anxiety and not just those stories I shared, but I'm in the kitchen making dinner and a fearful thought comes my way and I would cultivate it. I would dwell on it and feed it and it would grow. Um, I'd done some podcast episodes on fear. I wouldn't sleep at night. After going through this process of um, opening my hands to Jesus and all that I talk about in my Tangled Course, now I sleep deeply because those thoughts especially those thoughts that come at me at night, I can say, no, I'm, I've practiced taking those thoughts captive in the day so that I more easily can identify them and take them captive at night so I can sleep deeply. Part of being a non-anxious presence, I think also is somebody who's well-rested so they're not grumpy and tired and snapping at people around them. So I hope this was helpful for you. Um, ever since I read that quote, In Mark Sayers' book, I've thought I wanted to share that with you. Let's be a non-anxious presence in an overly anxious world because we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within us. We carry really His fragrance everywhere we go. We should be the most peaceful, joyful people despite all that's going around us. And people would come up to us and say, how are you doing this right now? And we would say, it's not, it's not really us. It really is God within us. It's, it's his presence that is the non-anxious presence. Well, I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Have a great day. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.